0: Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. Morning. This morning we are continuing our sermon series that we have called Charged. And basically as we take a look at the scriptures, we have noticed that God has charged the church in two ways. He's charged us by Sticking uh, sort of a plug in us, which is his spirit, that gives us power. But he's also charged us by giving us a command to be his witnesses. And if we are sort of honest this morning, although Jesus has given us the power, oftentimes we struggle with keeping the command. In our passage today, we will see that there are some things that just sort of get in the way. Jesus intended for his message to flow through our lives and to other people. But there is something that stands in the way that sort of blocks the flow. Paul texts the Colossian church to let them know that This blockage is something that we ought to be praying about. Paul told the Colossian church to pray that God would open doors for the word. Let's take a look at our text. This is Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving." At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open a door to us for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains, so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. So that you may know how you should answer each person. Father, now as we begin to explore the truths of your word, we ask that you would speak. And that we would be edified and you would be glorified as we apply your message to our lives. These things we pray in your son Jesus name. Amen. Leonardo da Vinci is known as one of the greatest painters of all time. I mean, this brother was bad. But he's mostly known for the Lord's Supper and for a painting known as the Mona Lisa. However, the total amount of surviving paintings that could be attributed to da Vinci is only 17. And a lot of those paintings... Are they're not even done. They're unfinished. The small number of surviving paintings is due in part to Da Vinci's chronic procrastination. He often required a sharp threat from his patrons. They said, hey, look, man, if you don't get this done, we ain't going to pay you no more. (laughs) The Mona Lisa took Leonardo 15 years to finish. And worse than that, He was given a seven-month deadline for a painting known as The Virgin on the Rocks. Instead of getting it done in seven months, he was done 25 years later. It has been widely reported that Da Vinci apologized on his deathbed to God and to man for leaving so much undone. Now, before we get hard on Da Vinci, we all know what it's like to put important things off to the side. Missing deadlines from school or from work. Sometimes we have legitimate excuses and sometimes we were just procrastinating. God calls us to extend his family by proclaiming him to others. And however... Many of us procrastinate. Other more important things get in the way. There will come a day, if we're not careful, where like Da Vinci, we also would leave these great important things undone. We all suffer in some way or another with getting important things done. And the spirit of procrastination is pride, right? Because we are assuming that We can get it done later. When we do that, we are basically saying we have control of the future. And we are guaranteeing that we will be there. We are convinced that tomorrow we could handle this. But James says, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time And then vanishes. Instead you ought to say. If the Lord wills. We will live and do this. Or that. Although we often believe. That we hold the future. Later is not guaranteed. All we have is now. All we have is what? Now. And God desires to save people. When? Now. Now. So the title of today's message is. Beat the clock beat the clock the lord has set up his kingdom on earth and god's kingdom echoes a message throughout the land and those who believe in the message about jesus christ becomes kingdom citizens of god now how to be productive kingdom citizens paul answers the question right here in our text To be a productive kingdom citizen of God you must be devoted to gospel prayer. Be dedicated to gospel progress and diligent to keep a gospel posture. First we must be devoted to gospel prayer. Devoted to gospel prayer. In verse 2 Paul says to the Colossians devote yourselves To prayer. Here, Paul highlights the need for all Christians to pray. Not sporadically or every now and again. No, Paul is calling the church to a lifestyle of prayer. Paul is not simply saying, Come, let's gather together, let's pray with some intensity, let's pray like we mean it, let's give up one of those good prayers. No, Paul is saying pray habitually. Schedule your time with God for prayer. Gospel prayer is persevering prayer. In Luke 18.1, Jesus says to his disciples, pray always and don't become discouraged. In other words, pray and don't give up praying. Not only are we to preserve or persevere in prayer, but verse 2b, Paul says, while you are praying, stay alert in it. We are to pray with two attitudes, watchfulness and thanksgiving. Gospel prayer is watchful prayer with thanksgiving. Paul says, when you are praying, pray with an attitude of watchfulness Here, to be alert or watchful is not referring to simply watching out for the return of Christ. Rather, Paul is encouraging the church to watch your own lives in light of the return of Christ. Pay attention to how you're living. Be alert when it comes to your tendencies. Pray that God would help you strengthen your weaknesses. Be awake to the things that tempt you to take your precious time when it comes to living for God. Paul says we are to be thankful in prayer. We are to have a continued appreciation for the new status we have in Christ. We are to always remember that we were once far off. We were once out in the streets Living life according to however we felt. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. But when we heard and believed the message of the kingdom of God. God made us alive in Christ. And all of our sins have been forgiven. And we are now destined for glory. When our minds are set on the gospel it would inevitably produce a heart of thanksgiving. Such an attitude of thanks will serve as a powerful deterrent against false teaching. Additionally, an attitude of thanks will also serve as a stimulus for us to keep on praying. He has been so good to me, why would I not want to spend time with him in prayer? Not only are we to pray regularly and stay alert and watchful in prayer, but gospel prayer is prayer for others. Verse 3, Paul says, while you're praying, pray also for us. The Colossian church was going through a lot, and Paul was sending them this letter to encourage them and show them how they are to deal with the persecution and the false teaching that was developing all around them. But here, in his closing remarks in verse 4, Paul turns things around. And it is Paul who is requesting prayer. He says, pray for us. Paul says, we are going through some things too. Will Will you pray for us? Paul urged the Colossians to be devoted to prayer. Recently at a church in Pennsylvania, there was a big baptism. 35 people was baptized. and The last person to get baptized was a brother named Harold. Harold. And people couldn't believe it. Linda, his wife, she was praying for Harold for 30 years. One of the members of the church, he wasn't able to make the baptism. And so he figured, I got to call. I got to see what happened. So he called and he said, Harold, what's this I hear? Harold say, last November, me and my family, we were going through tough times. And my wife and I, we went down and visited the pastor. And during the meeting, Pastor Jeff said, Would you like to accept Christ? And Harold said yes. Linda, his wife, she was shocked. Linda said on that phone call, you wouldn't believe. Harold is growing. Every Sunday morning at 730, Harold is there. He has tabs in his Bible and everything. She said, I waited all those years to have him sit by me in church. She said that when Harold was baptized, through his tears, he thanked everyone who was there for praying for him all those years. He's ushering at church, she said. She said you'll never see anyone so proud to be an usher. After 30 years of praying for her husband, God saved him. She said she wanted to see him sitting Beside her in church. For Linda, it was her husband, Harold. But for you, who is that person? Who is that person that you are committed to never stop praying for? To be a productive citizen in the kingdom of God, not only must we be devoted to prayer, but we must be dedicated to gospel progress. Be dedicated to gospel progress. So far we've seen in verses 2 through 3a that Paul is urging the church to pray. He says, I want y'all to pray for y'all and to pray for us. Now in verse 3b we see why. What is Paul's prayer request? What, What do you want, Paul? Paul says here, Would you pray for us that God may open a door for the Word? Gospel progress happens when we proclaim the Word. An open door is a metaphor for the idea, meaning ready access to an opportunity. In 2 Corinthians 2.12, Paul said, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ... The Lord opened a door for me. In other words, God gave Paul opportunities to share the gospel with people. And through those opportunities, Jesus entered the lives of people and saved them. Paul is asking the Colossians to pray for his ministry and other ministers. That they may have an effective evangelistic ministry. Gospel progress is all about Jesus. What's interesting here is that Paul is not asking for prayer for a door to be opened necessarily for him or for another minister to walk through. Rather, Paul is asking them to pray specifically that a door might be opened for the word. Here, the message becomes personified. The word takes on the body of a person. Here the message becomes sort of human. When we share the gospel, it is Jesus himself standing at the heart of man, knocking that the door might be opened. In Revelations 3.20, Jesus says, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and have dinner with him and he with me. It is the word that must be given interest. It is the word that has the power to transform human hearts. But we must be dedicated to gospel progress. In verse 4, Paul goes on to say, Progressing the gospel is the reason why I'm in chains. But pray that I might continue to make the gospel known as I should. What's motivating here is that Paul waits until this point in his letter to let the Colossians know that he's in prison. Paul probably waits to share that he's in prison to illustrate that even when people lock the messenger out, Jesus still has the power to open the door for his message this should give us great confidence when we're sharing the gospel. It lets us know that no matter how eloquent we speak, no matter how uh, good we're at sharing, no matter our social status, the power is not in our ability. The power is in Jesus. He is the one who opens doors. He's the one who enters in and transforms people by his spirit. But we must be dedicated to gospel progress. We must be dedicated to using our voice to proclaim Jesus to others. The voice of E.T. in Steven Spielberg's film was a bit of a problem. The technicians couldn't find an appropriate voice to fit the face or the person of E.T., their star character. One day, Steven Spielberg's technician went to the grocery store, and he overheard a conversation between an assistant and a customer. And he turned around and said, oh, wait a minute. There she is. He said, come, 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 come. Here's my card. Why don't you come out for an audition? Mrs. Welch used to be a speech trainer, but decades of cigarette smoke caused her voice to crack. she was gasping for breath. Exactly what Spielberg had in mind. And so Pat Welsh, an unknown American housewife, became a part of one of the biggest money-making movies of all time. All believers are called to speak on behalf of God. But God called Moses... To use his voice, and Moses replied, Lord, I got this tongue-tying issue. I stutter when I speak. Jeremiah pleaded, I do not know how to speak because I'm, I'm too young. What's your excuse? You don't know enough. Are you too old or too young? you say, I'm I'm not mature enough? No matter our excuse, it's important for us to know that like Spielberg and Welsh, God has a specific purpose for our voice. He wants us to be dedicated to progressing the gospel by proclaiming his love to others. Jesus wants his followers to be dedicated to publicly proclaiming the gospel. Now, you don't have to be me or Pastor John or a preacher who stands on a public platform and proclaim him publicly in a room like this. But we must understand that we are to proclaim him publicly to others, to people that we know. We know this because Jesus commanded his followers to be publicly baptized. And in our baptism, we proclaim Jesus to a watching world. This proclamation is not supposed to stop at our baptism, but is to continue throughout our lives. Now, it's all right. If you don't like the spotlight, God don't mind if you're more of the behind the scenes type of person. But what happens when the person behind the scenes is now on camera? When the watching world is now looking at you, will you use your voice to proclaim Christ? Will you act like Jesus is the director of your life? Will you be dedicated to progressing the gospel? Lastly, to be a productive citizen in the kingdom of God, not only must we be devoted to gospel prayer and dedicated to gospel progress but we must be diligent to keep a gospel posture. Be diligent to keep a gospel posture. Verse 5 Paul says act wisely towards outsiders. Making the most of the time. Although the Colossian church was dealing with false teaching from some outsiders they were to stay engaged, stay involved in the lives of outsiders. In other words, avoid being swayed by outside influence, but remain engaged with outsiders so that you might win them for Christ. For this purpose, that the gospel might progress, Paul says, when you are around outsiders, make sure you act wisely. We are to behave in such a way that we don't become a hindrance to the advancement of the gospel. In our world today, some outsiders say, I don't mind following Christ. I just can't take those Christians. Now, we may question how sincere they are in following Christ, but we still have to acknowledge the point. There are some Christians who are not living in a manner worthy of the gospel they proclaim. Because of our attitude or maybe how snappy we get with others, we make the gospel a turnoff for outsiders. Paul says this shouldn't be. We must be diligent to keep a gospel posture. Now how do we do that? If you would allow me to skip down to verse 6, Paul says, let your speech always be gracious. Sometimes people don't want to hear what you got to say because of how you're saying it. Paul says, let your speech be seasoned with salt. When you speak with outsiders, your words should be full of flavor. It should be yummy to the soul. Why? Why, the question is, why keep a gospel posture? Verse 5, sandwiched between the command to act wisely and the example of how through their gracious speech is the purpose to make the most of the time. In closing, ultimately to be productive citizens in the kingdom of God, we must make the most of our time or the time by... Being devoted to gospel prayer, being dedicated to gospel progress, and being diligent to keep a gospel posture. In 1989, the Chicago Bulls were in the game five in the playoffs against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and there was only three seconds left on the clock. They passed the ball in to Michael Jordan. He went to the left and he drifted, double pumped, shot the ball. That shot is now known as the shot. Before then, the Chicago Bulls were known as the worst team in basketball history, just about. But it wasn't until Jordan made that shot that the Chicago Bulls went from horrible to great. That shot is known as the shot because of Jordan's commitment an effort in making it. By making the shot before the buzzer, Jordan was able to finally defeat the Cleveland Cavaliers. For him, making the shot, beating the buzzer, was all about getting the shot off in time. For you, beating the clock may be something else. Beating the clock may mean getting out of the bed while the sun is still down and praying for your household. Beating the clock may mean not just praying for their protection, but praying that God would give them an opportunity to share the gospel. Beating the clock may mean contacting that person, that young person in your family that you know is going off to school soon. And before they go, they need to hear it from you, that Jesus Christ is able to save and sustain and take care of Of all of their needs. I don't know where you may be this morning or where you may find yourself, but Jesus is calling us all to beat the clock, to take seriously the opportunities that we have, to proclaim Him to a watching world. For a lot of us, Jesus has already opened the door. We just have to be bold enough to beat the clock and share the gospel. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcasts. For more information, check us out at www.newcdhh.com. We'll see you next week.